Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the Cash Confidence Stylist Podcast. So before we get into this episode, I got a question for you. How often do you ask yourself, where the hell is my money going? Okay, look, a lot of us, that runs in a constant loop in our mind. And it's time to take your first step towards financial empowerment. So I wanted to give you a free resource that is going to help you do just that. I wanna give you Assess Your Situation, which is the first module in my course, as well as your guide to figuring out where the fuck your money is actually going. Sorry if you have kids in the car. So this is gonna be a free guide that I've created to help you break the loops, providing you with tools to assess your current financial situation. You don't even have to break out the calculator and to help you gain awareness about what you actually need to start making those money moves where it truly matters. So go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes and snag it. The link is down there um, and enjoy this episode. Let me know how assessing your situation goes. Thanks friends. Welcome to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. Here, we dive into topics that reach far beyond the salon. I'm your host, Misty Jane. I'm a life and money coach for stylists who are obsessed with personal growth. I help you enhance your mindset around money, build a business that lights you up, and create a life of peace. Me and my guests are on a mission to normalize the wealthy stylist while creating a safe space to be perfectly imperfect. Wanna join me? then you're in the right place. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to the Cash Confidence Stylist Podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Missy Meganson, and we are talking all about how automations can help you with your money mindset. The thing is, is when it comes to being a hairstylist, a lot of times we let emotions run our income. We let emotions make our decisions, all of the things. So we want to talk about some ways that we can actually take the emotion out of the money and make things easier for us behind the chair, right? So love this conversation. Love Missy to death. Please, please enjoy. And don't forget, if you like it, let me know. Post it on the gram. Put it in your stories. Share it with a friend. All of the things. It helps get this information out to more people as well as building up the podcast because it's my favorite thing in the world and I want to keep doing it. So (laughs) if you like it and you find value in it, please, please, please share it with somebody and I will talk with you on the next one. Enjoy. Hello, Missy. Welcome back to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. (laughs) How are you today? I love the welcome back. Like I, I have to think about when our last conversation was, and now I want to go hear like what I actually, you know, when you're like, what actually did I say? That's how I feel. That I want to say that you were on when it was Backroom Beauty Talks. And I think it was like my first year doing it, which it's crazy to me. This has been like year three. Um, I think this is like the 170th episode, which is insane to me. Um, so yeah, my it's OG status. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. I don't even, I think we talked about marketing. I don't even know. I don't <laughs> I'm sure it was grand. <laughs> yes. Well, before we get into this conversation, go ahead and tell everyone listening who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is Missy Meganson and I am the director of sales and business development at Schedulicity, but I also have been a hairstylist for 20 years and previously independent educator and kind of marketing strategist within the industry as well. Also salon owner, all the, you know, just 
try, I guess, check in some boxes or something. You've worn all the hats. Let's say that. Yeah. And that's not necessarily like this badge of honor. I always feel like when I list off this like narrative of all these things that I've done where it's like, oh, she's done, you know, I'm like, it's not always, I I want to be like cautiously, like it feels grand, but we could, we could look at some things a little bit differently. I'm glad you say that because I'm seeing this kind of um, thing happening where people are like seeing things on Instagram and like, oh, I want to do that. That looks easy. <laughs> no, um, no, it's not. I'm super realistic. Uh, the question has come up a lot lately about like, how have you gone from hairstylist of 20 years to now in this corporate position? And I honestly could tell you, I don't know, <laughs> would be the short answer. It wasn't like I set out on this path, um, but I will say I'm super big on examining where I'm at in um, my life with like my personal health and then my kids. I have an almost 16-year-old and an 11-year-old. Uh, my husband and I have been married for 17 years. So I think those things, uh, I'm super realistic with the fact that I'm not today who I was six months ago or a year ago. And so sometimes that is where you see sort of the big pivots in my career uh, are from, it's from that versus the idea that I need to reach a certain level uh, within our industry. Right. Know that unless we have that conversation. Do you have like, do you like reassess often or do you have like a moment where you're like, Ooh, something needs to change or do you get yourself to burn out? And then it's like, okay, something's not right. Like is there kind of something, I, I want to say maybe a pattern that you've been through with all of these things? I would say my pattern has been D, all of the above, to the point where originally when I lived in Virginia Beach, where you are, uh, worked myself into the ground. Uh, that was full-on burnout that caused that reassessment. As I've matured in age and position in life and, you know, even to your point, like financial um, comfort where I could make decisions based on really what was best for us versus this fear of what it might do, like impact us um, financially. I would say those assessments are usually done after I'm experiencing a period of time where things don't feel right. And I usually do let that play out for a little bit because Sometimes th something doesn't feel right today and then tomorrow it feels great. Um, that's yes. just a normal emotional cycle. So uh, it took me about a year of feeling like I needed to step away from my salon before I was fully confident to make that decision. Yeah. How often do you think that your, your financial mindset will say, you know, affects the risks that you're willing to take? when it comes to business, employment, you know, whatever, whatever we're talking about. I mean, we, it could be any like kind of aspect of your life. Yeah, I think, and this is interesting why I love having all of these conversations because I'm sure you have a bajillion different thought processes when it comes to this or people that bring it to the table. So for me, I'm a super analytical person. Um, it's a lot harder for me to do something on a faith-based whim uh, so I need to have more of a proof of concept on if I'm going to take this risk or make this decision, what, if I know I can get myself out of it, that's the entrepreneur mm. lifestyle. Both of my husband and I are entrepreneurs, neither one of us until just this year, even with Schedulicity have taken like a true paycheck. So if I'm going to take a risk or make a decision, 
I always know that I have things that I can go back to if it doesn't work. Mm. Uh, so I would say I'm, I would say I'm in a place where we are comfortable, but also we love, I, I do like what I make right now. So if some reason that was going to change, I know I could do X, Y, Z to get myself making that in a different modality. A strategic risk taker. 100%. (laughs) I would put myself, I'm just not going to be like, it'll all work out, which again, if that is your thought process, I think that's great. That's just not typically mine. I was going to say, have you ever had a situation where you did kind of like more, was more emotionally charged, you know, and then you were like, oh shit, like I'm not making enough or oh shit, like I've kind of screwed up a little bit. Like, has there ever been a time where you're like, oh, <laughs> yes. So the, the biggest version of that would be the biggest risk we've ever taken, which I wouldn't change it for the world, but I had, I mean, I think I was 20 four, 24 living in Virginia beach. We'd bought our first house. I was working 60 hours a week. And for reference, I was working 60 hours a week and my haircuts were $25. So let's just (laughs) do that math. And I was bringing home probably, I, I was at about six figures. So if we're doing the math on like what my services cost versus what I was working, I was working four to five, 11 to 12 hour days to bring that home. Right. Completely worked myself into burnout. And we, I basically like stepped away from the chair. I quit doing hair and we moved to South Florida to purchase two Jimmy John's franchises. We knew really absolutely zero what we were doing. Um, and basically went from combined at 24 years old, my husband, well, I was 24, he was 28. We were making like, like 120 together. Uh, we were trying to live off of $40,000 to put everything back into this business. And that was, there was no coming back from that. I had right. left my business in Virginia and moved 1100 miles away. That was the like trust fall of the century. I bet. Um, so I think since then, uh, that was our biggest, I'm burnout. I don't know what to do. Basically, I had to move a thousand miles away to escape my problems or something. Do y'all uh, still have Jimmy Johnses? Jimmy Johnses? Jimmy Johnses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we sold them. We kept, we kept one of them for five years and one of them for two. And then have gone, he's gone into like subsequent different businesses since then. Uh, I call it our business MBA. Uh, There is, uh, we learned everything. Oh, I bet. We learned everything, which was a very cool and crazy experience. I mean, that's the beauty of making certain decisions, right? Is like, even if they don't work out the way that you want them to, like you're still getting something out of it whether we want to like look at it that way or not, like I think we should look at it that way, um, that you can carry into other things. 100%. So I want to talk a little bit today about how, so we're getting on money mindset, right? So, you know, a lot of us, especially stylists, like we we run our business on emotion. We don't want to. I don't want to. It still happens to me. I mean, I'm only behind the chair one day a week, but there's still times when I'm like, oh shit, this is going to be like a $500 appointment. Like, I don't even want to tell them. You know what I mean? Like it happens, right? 
And I want to talk about how schedulicity specifically, like how can it help with our money mindset? Because I don't think that we, we always think that we have to like heal ourselves and blah, blah, blah. But there's also like little tricks and little things that we can do that like kind of helps alleviate some of those conversations or that stress or, you know, whatever um, that's going to make our job a little bit easier or have the conversation about money a little bit easier. 100%. I didn't even realize that this, uh, so I'm going to tell you one of my favorite features about money mindset that Schedule City has, which is funny because it's something I used to do on paper back in the dinosaur ages when I was trying to figure out our budget back in the day and I was on my paper at a glance folder or binder or whatever, you know, I carry it with me everywhere. My favorite. Oh stories. yeah. I still have mine. <laughs> steakhouse and like highlighting or picking up the phone. So if I was trying to figure out what we could afford because hairstylist math often, you know, it's, I can up this car payment. If I take this extra totally in that game, I would look at what my month was going to look at or going to look like. So I'd go through and like add up what those services were and be able to kind of project what things looked like. Well, Schedulicity actually on your dashboard has a projected revenue, literal, like it looks at your week ahead and it says based on these appointments that you have on the calendar and what you have input that you charge for these, it just pre-totals up what you should be making, not tip included or anything like that, which sounds so simple. Like as we're saying this, it's like, okay, it just pre you know, you could run a report, you could do all these things, but it's right there when you're mm -hmm. looking at your day and you go to look at your dashboard. And so for me, obviously you could choose to look at that one of two ways. You could look at that number and be depressed, or <laughs> you can look at that number if you're like me, or you're, you're choosing to seek out answers for your money mindset and what your money story looks like, you can look at that and start to say like, okay, um, next week isn't looking like what I want it to be. What can I put into action now? Or next week actually looks gappy, but the numbers are there. So I'm going to enjoy my freedom next week and not freak out that I have some gaps because the revenue is actually there. So simple, but I feel like it's so powerful. Yeah, it's super interesting because, you know, I help people like create spending plans and, you know, there's this like misconception that like a spending plan is like tracking what's already happened when in, in actuality, it's like taking the money that you're going to make that you haven't made yet and give it a job. And mm -hmm. the biggest question that I get is, well, how do we do that? How do we do that? I don't know how much I'm going to make. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, get a cancellation or a no show and I always say, well, you know, we'll look back and see like, what, what is the trend? Are you always bringing in $3,000 a month, no matter what, even if you have cancellation, you know? So that's actually really cool because that can help people in their personal life. Well, hey, this is what the finances are going to look like. Now, granted, you might have a cancellation, you might have a no-show, you have to keep that in mind, but that's a really cool way to like essentially have something do the math for you, which I am all for. <laughs> Yeah, I just again like I I reference often the kind of money mindset that using um a salon measuring tool for my uh using salon scale did for me where I was like, "Ooh, I don't want to I don't want to emotionally discount your gloss. I physically just saw in real time how much that cost me." And to me, this is a similar 
sort of concept where it's something that's right in front of your face where you're seeing what your next week or weeks look like without even having to run a report. It's just there, which sort of starts to create this. You're starting to think about it and use it and conceptualize it differently, I believe. Yes. I love that. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe in, and I feel like some people believe in this and some people do not. Do you believe in putting your prices on your website? I do. Uh, Well, okay. I don't feel like I'm the right person to ask most of these current day trend situations because I am only behind the chair two days a week. And I can speak from I can speak from what I've done, but I don't have enough, like I've coached people to put prices or to not put prices and seen this come out. So for me, I've always been pretty transparent about what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, again, going into personality types and different types of stylists and how they work, I'm not afraid to have those conversations with my clients. I'm pretty right. big into like this sort of like client, like symbiosis where like you get me, I get you, we can work together well or not. And then we're not going to work together, but it's, I mean, I've been doing it for 20 years. Right. I know. I was thinking about this just because like, even as a consumer, like when I go on someone's website and I don't see prices, I'm very, I'm a little bit less likely to buy because I'm like, that's one that scares me a little bit. It's like going into the fancy restaurant and there's no prices on the menu. And you're just kind of like, Oh, I bet this is like a hundred dollars. Like, you know, Um, Yeah. And I also think too, like you get, like, say you get a consultation and they're expecting like a $20 haircut, you know? And I don't know, just thinking about like scheduling apps and things like that, because there's, there's so many ways that you can do it. Right. Like I've seen, like for me, I put starting price, right. But my clients can look at that and they can automatically see, well, I know that it's going to be at least this much money, right? And I think that even that goes a long way because even before they even sit in your chair, right, they know that they're more than likely going to be spending at least this much. And if they're not comfortable with that, they're probably not going to come to you in the first place. I I 100% agree. And I also think, well, first of all, I think it... I believe it saves you on the back end when they are in your chair with potentially that uncomfortable feeling or making those financial decisions for them when they're adults who have seen it on the website. But I also, I keep kind of taking conversations that step forward where instead of it coming from our perspective, let's think about it from the client's perspective. And to your point, like, Are you going to go to that restaurant if the price isn't published? Does that make you feel anxious when you walk in? Does that make you feel like you don't even know how to order? And are you embarrassed to talk to the waiter because it's so, you know, it's such a big, whatever, uh, what I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but it's this like grandiose thing that then you're sitting here like, am I good enough for this? Am I good enough to order this steak? Do I ask the rest? Do I ask him? Am I, am I going to feel stupid? Does anybody do this? Is that, and that's, again, if we put ourselves in the position of a client is coming out, right? Just with information, is that putting them at ease before they even walk in the door? Probably. Is it keeping them from maybe having to ask a question that might make them feel stupid? Mm -hmm. Also, probably. Uh, Right. That, that would be my thought process on that. But I also believe that there's a bajillion ways to run your business and be successful. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, Okay. So let's talk about some other things that possibly could be helpful. Is there any other features that could help in that aspect? So 
I think, well, having it published on, I'm, I'm trying to think from the money, uh, running reports at any given point and being knowledgeable about what your previous history looks like and what is coming, I think is just completely beneficial and something that everybody should utilize. Well, it's like knowing your numbers without having to know your numbers. Like it knows your numbers for you. Yes. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and then those trends. Also, I think when we're part of when we as beauty professionals become part of technology, which I, again, having been part of the dinosaur age, I was, it's actually so ironic that I work for a booking company because I was so anti-online booking. Oh my God, me too. This is so typical. I was also anti-Dyson blow dryers and now I would like lick mine and kiss it. Like same. I, I just, <laughs> anything that I don't like right now, I should just be like, oh, I will own that in two years because this is just, yeah. I'm such a contrarian. And then I can't. It took me like 16 years to do like online booking. Yes. And now I'm like, how did I ever do this without, like, how did I ever work without it? <laughs> oh, what? well, yes, 100%. So I guess when we, at, the point I'm getting at is when we as a community want to be elevated and seen as elevated, these solutions that are put in front of our face also are able to collect information on what our industry looks like and how much busier we are the week before Christmas. By the way, I just had our um, data scientists run that number. It's 20%. 20% more appointments booked the week before Christmas. Oh, yeah. So stylists are working 20% more. And then we like wonder why we're tired. But this, this, at this point, this thought process that we're able to use something and then figure out how to make our industry work better. So what do we need to do for ourselves in January? How do we need to, you know, strong arm ourselves? Like we're able to participate in that. Uh, uh, tons of other industries have used data for years to help elevate it and make it better. And when we participate in things like that, I think it's going to, I mean, we're so far behind on all those things anyways, but I think it. I think it helps push us forward in that professionalism as well. Absolutely. Well, and seeing what people need, like what they need and when they need it, you know? And again, the data, it's just facts. Like that's, I think, again, taking the emotion out of things, like, but facts are, are we, sometimes we just need to see the facts. (laughs) I believe, so this isn't really necessarily, well, I, it could go into money because I feel like everything circles back to money because you want to put in a boundary but then you're also feeling like you need to make that money. So then you take the appointment that maybe you shouldn't have. It becomes this, it's really hard. I think in what we do, and especially if you identify as an independent professional to not see kind of every conversation as potential revenue. Mm -hmm. And therefore I think that the more we can remove that emotional component from being in our direct hands, the better we're going to feel and be able to operate and make those decisions that protect ourselves and therefore can protect everything because you get into an emotional burnout rut, you might want to spend more, all those things. Yes. When you automate what your booking process looks like, again, I do feel like that's a more client-centric approach. We all want Amazon, we want it here tomorrow, whatever. There are different ways of automating it. It doesn't have to be that you let everybody just book themselves and you have no control. It's actually pretty, schedulicity and booking apps in general are 
pretty with it in terms of giving the stylist control over what that looks like. But the more you can remove yourself from that equation, you're less likely to want to try to fit somebody in. Yeah. You don't be the one that disappoints somebody because they just went and saw your availability and they're going to take what's next. Yep. Yep. And they saw it in real time. And so then if you get the text that says, do you really not have anything sooner? You just follow up with, yep, whatever it says I have is what I have. How much less emotionally charged is that than being the one texting or calling back and forth, trying to book it? And then, well, I guess I could take that $200. I'm just going to squeeze it in. Yeah, no, no, I'm not a, I'm not a squeeze in fan, never have been. Cause I feel like that just gets, that it, it just, it's this spiral of like burnout. You know what I mean? And the client is not going to get the service that you could have provided them in the first place. Right. Like it's usually like quicker, like, oh my gosh, I'm literally squeezing them in. Um, so yeah, so nobody, nobody wins in that. Well, and when you're talking burnout from your your experience with money and as a stylist, and then as you're coaching, do you see that playing into then what it does to people's financial situations and money mindset? Do you see a direct correlation with that? A thousand percent. I say all the time, I'm like, yes, your money mindset literally affects every decision you make, you know? Every dec- even down to having a cancellation. Like if you're already stressed about money and then you have a cancellation, you are going to spiral yeah. instead of taking that time to maybe rest or have lunch or like, you know what I mean? Like a thousand percent. I think that the, your money mindset literally affects everything, everything. I, I would, I, I, that's where I'm thinking like the more that you can allow an automation to remove not yourself, because you're still, this is the part that when the client comes in, it's all you. You're right. still one there with your Dr. Scholl's orthotics on, getting their foils in. Like, it's still all you. You are still fully in charge of that customer experience. And to be honest, I think sometimes front-loading that experience to be a really thought-out way that somebody can book on their own time, doesn't have to wait for you. Dude, if you text me, I'm going to give you the worst customer experience ever because I'm going to forget you did it and I'm not going to get back to you for three days. Right. So you're telling me that is better than them having the link and being able to do it themselves? Right. Oh, oh, and especially now, like you said, with the Amazon age, like I want to click something and then I want it at my door. Like I want it quick and easy. If I had to click something like three times, I'm not doing it. I recently, I have to tell this story because I think it's funny. So this Timu or whatever, this like, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about? The website that you could get like, I don't know, a couch for like a dollar. (laughs) So I kept hearing, no, like they have some cute things, like whatever. I was like, you know what? Something popped up and I got like targeted for an ad. And I was like, I'm just going to get it. It's like three bucks. I just want to see what this is all about. I go, I click it from Facebook. It takes me to the website. All this confetti starts happening. It takes me to one of those like, click on this and you can save even more money. I click it. It takes me to another thing like that. I literally went through like five different, you can save monies. And I'm like, I, I got out of it. I was like, I can't do this. I just want to buy the three dollar thing. I don't, I don't want need it. To, I don't need it to be fifty cents. Like I, I was like, this is ridiculous. And like, but people do that all the time. You know what I mean? If I have to text you and you don't answer, like maybe I'm in front of my computer right now and I'm trying to plan out my month or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I need quick, or I'm going to make a different decision. <laughs> well, in a way that I would say this is like me nerding out in my marketing brain right now. If you are like, well, I, I don't know, are is my funnel easy? Are people, I will go and look at your clicks. Um, 
via your Facebook, Instagram profile, and your web clicks. And are those clicks converting remotely reflecting the bookings that you're getting? Because if they're not, you have a you have a hang up in your funnel. You got yeah. too much confetti, people are aborting ship. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing, right? Is like, I think especially with social media, like we feel like we're like talking to nobody, right? But like people are clicking things. People are doing things. Like, especially with coaching, it's amazing to me sometimes people sign up that I I don't know who they were. They've never commented on anything. They've never liked anything. They've never DM'd me. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, they've yeah. been watching me. <laughs> that's and- wild. And it's the same with hair. Well, they were watching you or it was a referral, like a word of mouth thing where someone, I mean, hair, this is still the strongest is word of mouth referral. And it even boils down to a tech company. Our strongest point of reference for a sticky customer is somebody that was sent to us by a friend. I believe it. I totally believe it. This is, we're talking about a piece of technology or a haircut and the same rules apply. It's a trust factor, right? Like if I trust you and then you trust something else, I'm going to trust that thing more because you already trust it. Yeah, for it's, sure. Yeah, it's marketing. I love marketing. Oh, me too. <laughs> I know. I like totally nerd out on it all the time. So I've learned a lot in the past three years. I'll get off subject for a second, but I've learned a lot about marketing in the past three years. And I cannot look at anything now without looking at it through like a marketing funnel, like nothing. Like, and, and it's kind of a, bad thing. I mean, not a bad thing, but like kind of <laughs> like sometimes I don't even enjoy things anymore because I'm like, oh, I see what they did there. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It, yes. 100%. You start to, you start to spot it. It's like when you get a new car and like everybody has that car, you're like, oh, yep. Oh, I did that. Oh yep. that was, yes. 100%. Commercials. I'm like, I know exactly who their target might like, like exactly. Like I'll be like telling my husband, he's like, Missy, I don't care. <laughs> like, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> The funniest part about marketing that my husband and I joke about, which actually, and I'm just going to say it here because I hope that it sticks. Our oldest is now talking like she wants to go into marketing for college. And I was like, yes, please do it. Because if I had to do it all over, like, obviously I wouldn't change a thing, but I think it would have been really cool to study marketing, like at a more collegiate level at that scope versus right. years of figuring it out the hard way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, oh wait, where, oh, our big joke is like, I will fall for anything. Like if, oh, the stuff they put in the target aisle, the checkout, I got you. You, I mean, you're going to do a commercial and you're going to point it out. I'm going to have to go get it. I am a marketer's dream. Like Same. you target me and I'm that. And I think that's why I enjoy doing it too. Cause I'm like, see, I'm easily marketed. So then I can figure out how to market too. Yep. It's crazy to me because I'm this, I'm a very much a consumer. Like, like you target me and I'm like, I do want that. You're correct. Like, (laughs) and I get, you know, but, and it's funny because I'll know, I'll know something like, I'll know, like, I know the sale is going to be next month too. Like I know, like, and I'll still have to get it. Like, I'll still get anxious and be like, no, I need to buy it now. (laughs) And you're like, I know that you jacked up the price just so you could say it's 50% off, but I need it now. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So fascinating. Oh my goodness. Um, okay. So are you strictly, well, so you're working behind the chair two days a week. Are you strictly with Schedulicity now? Besides I, that? 
Actually, no. So I am technically full-time with Skype. And this is why I get afraid to say what I'm doing because it is, I, I don't, this is not like a be like me. Uh, this, don't, don't do it. Oh, this very, the, I'm very, this podcast is very much like let go of the shoulds. You need to figure out what you do for your yeah. life. So like, yeah, we're uh, the listeners should know this by now. Yes. And if not, okay. you need to continue to listen. <laughs> well, that's why I'm like, I'm giving you my little personal like caveat where I'm like, this is not a recipe for, I'm saying everybody should be doing this. This is just where I landed. So when I was independent educating and an Alpha Parf ambassador, somewhere in that COVID spiral world, I started doing um, contracting social media management for brands. And that was what started my relationship with Schedulacy. I've been managing their back end of their social for the past two years. Mm -hmm. um, in that time, I also started working with a beauty distributor in the U.S. Uh, that distributes uh, for Ecoheads North America. We also are a pro care distributor and um, have a site that's really dedicated toward sustainable products for the industry. So within that particular company, we have three different pages on Instagram and like technical like things that we run marketing wise. And I also still do head up those socials. Oh, cool. Uh, again, that's a me thing because the schedulicity happened very quickly, this full-time role. So this is why I'm very big about checking in with myself yes. on how much I can handle the load that I have. What got you into marketing in the first place? Um, I fell into it. So this is the funny part where I was like, I'm going to write a blog. I'm going to help all, you know, it's the thing that you think you're supposed to do. And then sometimes we miss those little subtle cues where there's these nudges that are kind of falling in your lap. And if I hadn't paid attention to these nudges, I have no idea where it'd be now because it's literally what my life looks like. But I was like, I'm writing a blog. I'm going to talk to all the students. We got to change this. I still feel that way about helping the new hairdresser wholeheartedly. But what happened was I started a page from scratch, started a blog. I used all of the marketing knowledge that I had gained from helping my husband run Jimmy John's. We then opened an insurance agency as well. We now have a couple other companies within that. So in the network, social, cold calling, marketing, all of those things that we did for that, I learned some pretty beneficial basics that I just applied to what I was doing with So You're a Hairstylist. And then all of a sudden, people were like, no, <laughs> people were like, oh my gosh, so great what you're talking about to the students. They're like, how'd you do that? Yeah. You there? Where, how'd you get that to do that? And what could you do that for me? And so I don't know. I think maybe three years ago, I started managing the back end of other people's social because they had seen what I did done. Yeah. And then uh, I called it a speakeasy social media agency because it never even had a website. I'm not even kidding. It was half of it. Yeah, I was going to say, you never like announced it. Like, no, I, yeah. I, I literally had a team of five people online, like organically engaging for all these accounts. I had an online business manager. Like it was this total like secret speakeasy social right. media agency that I never talked about because I literally couldn't, I would get like someone will slide into my DM. That's how people got brought on. Um, and I couldn't talk about it because I couldn't even handle the amount of work we had. Right. Right. Which is, you know, 
I love that you said that though, because I, I hear our beginning of our conversation where you're like, I'm a planner. I take these strategic things. And then I hear all these nudges because a lot of times we let that plan get in the way of what we actually should be doing, right? We're like, no, this is how I'm going to do the thing I want to do right here. This plan that, you know, this, this is how it's going to happen. And then you have these things that start happening or people asking you to do things or whatever. And you're like, nope, that's not part of the plan. And then you push it away when you don't realize that maybe those things could actually get you where you want to be, but yes. you're not flexible enough to like let go of the original plan. Right. Yeah. And it's, that's where it's like, you can, well, first of all, you have to pay attention to the breadcrumbs, mm -hmm. Easter eggs or whatever. But the other piece of that is that is where like some of that strategic thought process or how you view your money or how it comes in, because I, no, nothing in that ever was a free fall. So right. as I would take on more then I would adjust something else based on my capacity. I'm literally in the middle of that right now. Like even taking, I had sold my salon, made a huge transition to a salon suite closer to me. And then the job presented itself with schedulicity. And I wasn't like, well, I can't light everything on fire because these things have always already been established. So now we start this like balancing of priorities and shifts and cut away a little bit to manage. So that is, I pay attention, but it also is always with like a, okay, how can I make this a calculated choice? Right. Instead of just saying yes to everything and then you have too much on your plate. Well, that and, or saying yes to things and then like lighting everything else on fire. And then in two weeks you're like, oh wait, actually never mind. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, that, I think um, that's my, I'm a lighted on fire mentality. I don't do it, but I definitely want to. Like I, luckily I have people around me that are like Misty. No. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I'm in a funk today. I just want to stop everything. And they're like, no, <laughs> like, you can't do that. Well, that makes me think about in like it lighting up being in a headspace to even think about that stuff. So the whole, the whole way I even started. So you're a hairstylist is because I cut back in the salon then two days a week to help my husband with his marketing. Right. And I always say that I can't create even as strategic as I am, unless I have some white noise in my head, like I yes. need space. And so if you're, and I'm going to circle this back here, watch this plug in your marketing mind. If you're in, if you're feeling like you're doing all the things in your burnout and you're not able to see like one foot in front of the other, truly what part of your business could you automate? What part of your business could you look at and have help with or have technology do for you? Could you be doing something that clears up some of that headspace so that maybe you just have more energy when you come home from work? It doesn't have to be so that you can have three jobs like me. Maybe it's just so that you have the energy to like cook that recipe that you've always wanted to. This yep. is just like it doesn't have, if you don't have any free space in your brain, do a little bit of an analysis and find out what you can automate, find out what you can maybe sub out, find out how you can make that because those are the quick changes that even though maybe you're not paying for a booking app right now and you're like $34.99 a month, I don't know if I want to do that. I can almost bet you money that that money will make you money. Yes. And oh that's yes. one of those decisions where that is a calculated decision. 
That is not a free fall, light everything on fire. That is a, I'm going to commit to coaching with Missy because I think spending that money is going to make me money. I think that's where you start to get into those strategic risks. And that's where, again, you can be like me and be a crazy person and change your job 500 times. Or again, you you just get to meet meatloaf when you get home because that sounded good and you still are standing up and you're not too tired. Yep. Well, everything costs something. It's either money or time. 100%. Yep. So you get to decide. I've learned that big time the last couple of years is I would, a lot of things I would much rather just spend my money so that somebody else can kind of do it or automate it or, you know, so that I can actually, the white space as a creative is so important. Yes. It's so important. And that burnout happens, especially if with hairstylists, when you do not have the space, when all you're thinking about is formulas and making your clients happy and, and booking the appointments and blah, 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 blah. Like, you don't have any space there to be more creative and actually enjoy what you're doing. 100%. And then there's the other aspect that it's been proven. Actually, there's a startup company right now in our industry at Tech Startup. And they're actually like, we get better results when our product isn't free and we actually charge $10 a month for it because there is that money equity buy-in. And so if you're in this place where you're like, I don't know, my money mindset isn't like chilling right now. I'm not loving this. I'm feeling burnout. I'm feeling all the things. What is an investment that you can make into that? Is it coaching? Is it into a piece of technology? Like what would that look like if you committed in a safe way where you have this financial commitment, but it's something that's going to help you propel yourself further? I would challenge that thought process. I love that. It's so true. Missy, I love this. <laughs> Thank you so much. Is there anything you want to tell the people to close out? Like any, I mean, I feel like what you just said was like a good mic drop moment. Um, but, you know, whether it be like where they can go to find out more information or just like a little something that you can leave them with today. Yeah. I mean, we are at Schedulicity. If you want to go there and check us out, I will say, um, my biggest thing is like, we know we're not the only tech company in the market. There are tons of booking apps out there, but I will say from my experience with competitors, we are an extremely uh, human centric piece of technology. So our support team are real people taking real calls and analyzing um, what we should or shouldn't do next based on what your needs look like. And so if that feels like a cool buy-in to automate your life, then I would encourage you to check us out. Amen. Love it. Missy, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Also, anytime. Here's for the next time. Yeah, exactly. Anytime. Oh, <laughs> once again, thank you for listening to the Cash Confident Stylist podcast. I appreciate each and every one of my listeners more than you know. If you like what you hear, please screenshot this episode, share it with a friend, share it on social media, and don't forget to tag me, Misty Jane, and the podcast at Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. You can even take it a step further and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Talk with you on the next one.